friends to Infertility and Me podcast, a safe space created with the silent sufferer in mind. I Am Podcast is dedicated to infertility advocacy and sharing diverse stories to help you feel validated, seen, and heard. I am your host, Monique Farouk, and I am one in eight two. Healing is best when done together. Could you please do me the honor of leaving a five-star rating and review in Apple iTunes? This will increase our show's ranking and reach more friends who may be silently suffering with infertility too. We're stronger together, staying connected, getting plugged in. Welcome, welcome, welcome friends. It's your host, Monique Farouk. Thank you so much for letting me be a part of your day. And thank you for being here with me, for rocking with your girl week after week. Season two, we're in the midst of it as we speak. Today's episode is with Ms. Sandra Wyckoff. Sandra Wyckoff is the best-selling author of Girlfriend's Guide to Infertility. In the first week of the launch of the book, Girlfriend's Guide ranked in the top 10 on Amazon's fertility category. Sandra first shared publicly about her diagnosis with infertility in the international best-selling book, Women Who Illuminate. Sandra has a passion for networking and connecting with like-minded people. She believes that all women should feel empowered to educate themselves on health and wellness as they are the decision makers of their households. When you know better, you do better, Sandra says. Sandra aspires to build a community of women that support each other both personally and professionally. She has started a Facebook group called Fearless Fems, Fems with two E's and two M's, Facing Fertility, where women can share their struggles, questions, and enjoy each other company while navigating their road to motherhood. You can connect with and find Sandra on Instagram at S-O-N-D-R-A-W-Y. C-K-O-F-F, and her Facebook group, Fearless Fems, F-E-M-M-E-S, on Facebook. And you should be able to find her in both places to connect with her, to also purchase her book if you're interested, and to join her Facebook community. I do have a copy of the book myself. There's affirmations in there. There's basic terminology that you need to know starting along your journey or if you're in the midst of it and you've never really taken the time to know what all the terminology means, all the acronyms that we use within the community. She has a list of questions in the beginning of the book stating some basic questions that you can ask at your first consultation. There's also a section for medications as well as different types of insurance plans. So there's some useful information in the beginning of the book and then the rest of the book is calendar style where you can make notes and record your protocols and such uh, throughout the remaining remaining part of the book. And again, you can connect with Sandra on Instagram at Sandra, S-O-N-D-R-A-W-Y-C-K-O-F-F on Instagram. And there's a link for her Facebook group as well as being able to purchase her book 
online through Amazon. So Sandra's on the uh, podcast today speaking about her journey to motherhood and how that all started for her and her husband. And then also what she's doing now that she has her baby um, and what that's been like adjusting to motherhood. Her baby is uh, still very young, uh, only one year old. And so we'll get into all of that in just a moment with Sandra. Don't forget, you can submit your story to be on the podcast publicly and or anonymously through the website at infertilityandmepodcast.com if you'd like to come on to the show and record and uh, share your story to help another fertility friend, brother or sister. It does not matter what race you are, your cultural background, your socioeconomic status, whether you are part of the heterosexual community or LGBTQ+. And I would love to have you and connect with you and to get to know you a little bit more intimately. And again, you can do so on the website for both anonymously and publicly. If you'd like to submit your story anonymously for the sake of your job and and or other areas of your personal life, just go to the front homepage and scroll down and you'll see a section to submit your information to contact me personally and privately. And if you'd like to contact me to be on the podcast publicly, you can click the tab at the very top that says get in touch. And there's a section there for you to submit your story publicly. I would love to have you. You guys have probably been listening for a while, but if you have not, I am a work from home mama. And so that means you may hear my son, Omar Jr. in the background from time to time. I do apologize if it's too distracting while you are listening, but we do our best to keep his noise at a minimum. But he is four years old. So (laughs) you guys know they kind of they kind of do their own thing and live life at their own rules. And so we'll be back in just a moment with Sandra. All right. So we're back, you guys, with our girl, Sandra. And Sandra, thank you so much again for being on the pod and and just offering your story to help encourage another uh, fertility friend. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. We're connecting. I know we've been social media friends Mm -hmm. for a little bit. So (laughs) I'm so excited to be talking to you today. Thank you. It's my pleasure for sure. Uh, So how did you and your husband meet, dear? How, How did that all happen? We actually um, met in high school, so I wouldn't say that we were high school sweethearts because we definitely had some uh, time apart throughout our relationship, but we've knew- I've known him since I was 15 years old. Wow, 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 wow. That's a unique story. So did you guys reconnect after college? How, how did that happen? So we kind of always kept in touch, and we would hang out like on school breaks when we were both home. And then I would say we definitely got more serious when we both moved home after um, our undergrad experience. I was actually working. My first job was like a mile from his house. So um, very serendipitous uh, location for me to be working. And we just kind of made the commitment. And here we are. Now, I know I've heard you say before that it was probably about two or three years before you guys um, started trying and then was having some difficulty trying naturally? Yeah. So we were married after about one year after being married, we kind of said, I remember, um, it very well because we were getting ready for a family party and I had just like a couple, uh, birth control pills left in my pack. And I was like, so should I, you know, 
refill my prescription. And we both kind of said, no, let's just see what happens. Um, and it was quite a bit of time, you know, the first couple times we were more lax about it, um, like the first couple months. And then I would say we started paying more attention, tracking cycles, downloading apps and still no success, which was getting frustrating. I had sought out advice from my OBGYN at the time that I no longer go to because her advice was not very helpful. Um, I'm sure many of your listeners can relate to mm-hmm. the feedback mm-hmm. of, oh, you're still young mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. you know, just have fun. Um, I was also experiencing other um, changes in my body that were concerning, like rapid weight gain and their feed, the OBGYN's feedback was, oh, you should try a meal replacement shake. I really like this one. And I was like, um, that's not really what I was looking for. Like these uh-huh. seem really correlated, especially because um, I had started to do my own research and reading about, you know, endocrine disruptors from the environment and hormone imbalance and thyroid and things that could all be linked to infertility. And that was always in the back of my mind. So it was very discouraging that a medical professional was almost dismissing me um, and just telling me to be more patient and just relax and all those annoying things that we've all heard, um, those of us that have gone through infertility while we're, we're really trying to get answers. Wow. So did you stay with that same OBGYN to get your, to get uh, more help? How, how did, what was the next step for you then? So I started reading about endocrinology and I didn't realize that a reproductive endocrinologist was a specific practice. So I had gone to a, I guess a medical endocrinologist. They, um, they're okay. typically working like a with generalized endocrinologist, that, right? Yeah, like yeah, t- someone yeah. who typically works with someone who actually has like diabetes. Um, but I went and got some labs done with mm-hmm. them, and their advice was sort of similar. She had kind of assumed that I had PCOS, which I don't have, mm. um, but just based on some of the symptoms. But then when the labs came back, she was like, everything looks fine, and then like almost exactly the same feedback you're young just relax all that so I got super frustrated so around that time I had learned of a new um, women's health practice opening up in Delaware so I live on the east coast I live in um, southern New Jersey which is about 30 minutes um, from where this new office was was being was opening so I called them and I asked to get on their patient list and when I went to the appointment, um, I was just so overwhelmed with gratitude because my experience with that practice was so different than any medical professional that I had had seen, you know, in all of my years of, of you know, go, seeking medical help. So I was so overwhelmed with emotion. The OB listened was completely silent through the whole conversation and listened to everything I had to say, went through, you know, the whole story I just shared with you. And her feedback was, we need to get you some answers. Like, full stop. Yes. Thank you for hearing me. And she gave me several business cards for Mm -hmm. fertility recommendations. Mm -hmm. And um, the one I ended up going with was Rad Fertility, located in Newark, Delaware. 
Okay. Yeah. That's the one you speak of in the book at the beginning part of your, um, your book and your intro and talking about yourself, right? That's right. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So when you, when you went to, so, okay. So how long had it been at this point that you guys were trying to conceive? Cause I'm pretty sure you were, you were still trying, even though you were going back and forth to the doctors to get some answers and things like that. Yeah. Right? So I'd say this was probably about four years. Wow. And when, when I made my appointment, so the interesting thing, um, just taking a step back is a lot the feedback I was also given to my OB was well you're not really trying because you're not really tracking closely which was really you know disheartening yeah (laughs) exactly (laughs) so when I called um or when I met with this OB the new OB that gave me the referral she was like so we're gonna say you've been unsuccessful for four years and I was like yeah, I agree with you. That's right. We have been unsuccessful for four years. So um, that was really helpful. Yes, it is. Especially when you get, you know, such negative feedback. I think people try to be helpful, but even, you know, close friends and family are like, oh, just relax. Um, Giving advice. I had some crazy advice given to me about how, you know, my husband should hold me upside down um, (laughs) to try to, you know, and that will certainly help me get pregnant and like some just crazy off the wall things. And you're just like, well, I might as well try it because I've tried everything else and um, it, it wasn't working. So very grateful to have found um, someone who listened and, and could point me in the right direction. Absolutely. Absolutely. I definitely understand that I've, I've, I've been, you know, to do two different clinics during the first four years before we had our son. So I get it. I totally understand that. And so when you went to Rad Fertility, and you guys went to the first consultation. Did you go by yourself or was hubby with you the first consultation? How did you prepare um, yourself for that emotionally? So I um, I went by myself because it was more of a physical. Um, and we sat together and made a list of questions together. Um, but I did ask up front and they advised that later on in the process is when my husband Dan would probably, you know, need to fill out paperwork and get his own type of screening done. Right, 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 right. Yeah. That kind of, my clinic also works kind of similar the same way and getting blood draws the first time too and all that stuff. So when you, when you go into the office, what was the vibe like? How were you feeling uh, in comparison to the first um, doctor that you had seen? Well, even even before I went into the office, mm-hmm. um, just the conversations I've had on the phone and the interactions through the patient portal made me feel so much more at ease and felt like I had some – this is going to sound maybe crazy, maybe not, um, but I just felt like I had a little bit more control and insight because I was able to log into the portal, you know, mm-hmm. ask questions whenever I, I wanted um, – so that was really helpful and they were very responsive. So that was really my first, very first impression. And then, you know, walking in, um, it was, I would say it was like your typical like medical office, but really meeting the people that work there made it, um, just made it me feel so much more at ease. Everyone was genuinely, um, interested in my well-being and success, 
I remember you mentioned the word validated. I remember feeling so validated when I got my physical because they actually um, felt my thyroid, which in four years, Mm. a general practitioner, OBGYN and endocrinologist never even like looked at that or, or examined that on their own. They just relied Mm -hmm. on blood work Mm -hmm. and she felt something and said, you need to get an ultrasound on your thyroid, which I now go annually to monitor nodules on my thyroid that I never would have found if I didn't go there. And I just remember breaking down and crying and she hugged me because I just said, thank you. Because I knew that there was something not right. Mm -hmm. And this was the first time um, that someone, you know, gave me the feet, the feedback and kind of validated the things that I was thinking about. So, um, they, they really are like a family. Um, it makes that it, it's hard to leave a fertility, um, clinic when you're at your, um, 11 week gestation and you're ready to move on to the regular OB, but just Mm -hmm. the people there made it even harder because they are so supportive and everyone's cheering you on and, and very, um, committed to your success. Okay. So then what was, what was actually your diagnosis then? So I actually have, I was diagnosed with tubal disease. So I had, um, I had the HSG, which we all know is the worst, um, test you could ever get. Um, well maybe not the worst, but one of the worst for sure. It's definitely up there. Um, and I, I'm not a medical professional, but I remember looking at the dye um, on the on the imaging screen and I just like it just didn't look right. It didn't look like the pictures you saw in biology class where the fluid (laughs) is going perfectly through the fallopian Mm -hmm. tubes. It was just like going nowhere. Um, Mm -hmm. So I had um, I had also had some scar tissue. So I had a hysteroscopy and laparoscopy at the same time. And when they went in, they saw that my right fallopian tube was actually completely closed. It wasn't a blocked tube. It just didn't have an opening. And my RE thinks that I was actually born like that. Yeah, I was going to say that sounds like something that's more genetic than anything else. Wow. Exactly. Yeah. 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 How old were you, dear, at this time? Um, I guess I was 31. Right. So in 31 years, you would have never thought that you'd be here on this on this this cold ass table getting this dye, <laughs> this dye test. Right. Like I remember feeling like that because I was around the same age as you when we might actually be the same age when I had all the same stuff done, you know, and it's like, what the hell? I never thought I was going to graduate high school and have to go through all this later on. Like it's like so surreal. It's like you're watching a movie movie screen. Yes. And it's not you. Right. <laughs> you described it perfectly. Like, that's exactly how I felt. Mm. Like, I felt almost like betrayed by myself because Mm. I didn't know these things about myself that are so important. Mm. That's a good point. That's a really good point. And I think we have to do better education system. Like I talk about it all the time. You guys are probably tired of hearing me say about, you know, like the education system needs to do better junior college level and undergrad level and high school, you know, 
We do. I completely like, agree. How can we watch videos, music videos, and movies with all this normali- normalization of sexual body parts and pornography and, you know, not to shame any of those things because it keeps a lot of people from going out and just having sex with anybody. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, and then be so secretive about the actual reproductive system and what that looks like and what it, what it cannot look like. Because I, I have a tube, one of my tubes is like, like right in the middle of it, it's like kind of fat a little bit. So it like, it comes, it, it looks so weird. It's like, it goes straight and then all of a sudden it's like this fat part and then it goes straight and skinny again. So, you know, just normalizing, <laughs> you know, looking at our, knowing that there's a possibility that things may not look textbook as the Absolutely. medical professionals would say, like my nurse friends would say, um, you know, it doesn't look textbook, you know what I mean? And just normalizing, uh, I don't know, maybe it needs to start at home or something. I don't know. Maybe as parents, we're not doing enough, you know, but I got off on well, another tangent. <laughs> no, I, I, I think you brought up a great point. And I always think about too, you know, when I was around like 15, 16 years old, getting those super painful periods and it's like, let's just slap a bandaid on it and put you on birth control maybe we should re- like get um, some testing done to see if there's any endometriosis. Like that mm-hmm. is a super common um, fertility issue. So, you know, it's, it's not necessarily something that a 16-year-old girl would necessarily care about at the time, but at least she can be prepared to go into, you know, into the future when she is ready to become a mother and – understand the road ahead of her because it is mm-hmm. such a tough pill to swallow like you described yeah and you know we can't even talk about being in you know our 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 males being intact or circumcised we can't even have civil conversations about that so I we know. got a long way to freaking go you know what i mean that's true we oh my gosh a, oh i my didn't gosh. even think about that either like mm-hmm. um you know you you said you have a son like mm-hmm. people in the mom groups are like to circumcise or not and i'm like wow this is actually like a ba- like a debate in a and it gets mom really group. emotional I was not yeah i was not prepared for that at all Mm-mm. and you know it's um, I, you know, it just, I just wish that we were more open about the reproductive system, you know, because we'll, they'll talk to us in school all day about the lungs and not smoking. And remember the D.A.R.E. program that started like in the late eighties, early girl, like, uh, my gosh, like we can talk about drugs. We can, you know, do all these things and watch all these things on television and have all these devices and so much access to information, but nobody's teaching us to learn about our reproductive systems, which is like the most, if not one of the most important uh, parts of our lives, you know, Um, and the thyroid, you know, is connected to all of that. How important is that? Just that one organ, you know, that one, um, not necessarily an organ, I guess, but, you know, just that one, that one part of us in our throat, how it's connected to everything, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and even in my research, you know, learning about the environmental impacts on hormones Mm -hmm. and endocrine disruptors, I, you know, in the four years of my, um, of us trying to conceive and get answers, I completely eliminated all chemicals and toxic products in my home because I wasn't aware at the time if that was having any impact. And, you know, eating super clean and, and avoiding like pesticides and added hormones and foods, like all of those things. I was just listening to one of your recent epi- episodes talking about um, like supplements and, and gut health, mm-hmm. like all mm-hmm. of that is is 
is something that we need to be more aware of. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So we're on this table, right? We, we're looking at this tube and we know that something's not right. Radiologist confirms that, you know, it could be something genetic. So you get back to your RE and what was that like speaking to him or her for the first time after getting that HSG testing? So that was actually um, when we heard the words, you're going to need to do IVF to get pregnant. And that was just like another sucker punch. Like you see it in the movies. It's so Hollywoodized and glamorized like IVF. It, you know, mm-hmm, it, it's mm-hmm. presented almost in a way that's like you get to choose and it's really not a choice at all. Um, kind of like glorified a, a little bit, right? A little bit, which is a, mm-hmm. which is disappointing because we know that when you're in the in the trenches, it is not like there's nothing glamorous about it. It's hard. It's emotionally. It's physically hard. It's mentally hard. Um, so that felt. Um, that just felt like very heavy, and I do. I I know we had uh, chatted about this on on Instagram, but it you know, it is a medical diagnosis. Let's, let's call it what it is. It's an illness. Mm -hmm, So, mm -hmm. you know, for anyone listening, when you get that information, you know, please feel, feel that it's okay to be disappointed and to feel, um, almost you're grieving a little bit of what you thought would be. And you have to go down this different road. That's, that was really what I was, um, what I was struggling with was just like, wow, I had no idea that I would ever need to think about doing something like this. Um, so she also, so what she said was, you know, you'll have to do IVF to get, to get pregnant. And then, um, we recommend removing the tube that's closed because you have a 50% less of a chance of success if you leave it if you leave the tube the way it is. Mm-hmm. So what we we discussed was so my husband actually which I couldn't even really like speak. So thank so thankful for him for for even thinking about this, but you know, he said I I realize, you know, we're not addressing anything with the ovaries, but could we do the egg retrieval before the surgery just, you know, just in case, just to rule mm. out anything possibly happening while we're in there. Um so we did our egg retrieval first. We, we got 15 eggs um, that resulted into um, 12 bot fertilized and then seven embryos. Wow. So, Amazing. So um, we, we were very happy with the results because I know not everyone um, gets, gets that many. So yeah. we yeah. were very happy with that. And then the surgery went really well. She removed the tube, cleared out some polyps and scar tissue in – the uterus and it was like I just remember feeling like okay check we did the egg retrieval it worked check we did the surgery it was successful so then we were preparing for our first frozen embryo transfer and that was um a chemical pregnancy so that was another um like sucker punch because up until this point it was like okay got the RE got the answers we were looking for we understand the root cause of being unsuccessful we did the egg retrieval it was successful we did the surgery it was successful and then the most important part didn't work so that was a really really um 
really hard for us. And I remember feeling like, I don't, I want to wait. I don't want to do this anymore. Um, I don't want to go through this again. Um, but we ended up doing a second transfer and now we have a one-year-old son. Ectopic pregnancy is, that is, that is, that's, that's a really hurtful thing. I just wanted to give space to that really quickly because there's a living, thriving, you know, fetus, not fetus, but, um, what's the, what's the before fetus? Well, is it his fetus? I guess it would be. Yeah. The embryos there. And you were what, four or five weeks when you found out it was an ectopic? It was a chemical. It was a chemical. Okay. I had it mixed up. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, no e- problem. Yeah. Either way still, you know. But either way. Oh my gosh. I, <laughs> right. I hear, you know, about, I know some, some of the ladies in my, um, in our Facebook community have shared their experience with an ectopic and, um, like the medication you have to go on, on top of the emotional part of it and just feeling that, that, that pressure and pain and knowing something's wrong, like that just... I I would have a hard time moving forward after that, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So did you guys go right into another cycle the next month, or did you have to wait? So I kind of went on, like, a little bit of a rebellious spot spiral. Like, I wasn't rebellious. Like, all right, I wasn't, like, Britney Spears 2007. <laughs> oh, gosh, but, no. <laughs> um, I was, like, not returning their, the, like, the RE's phone calls. I stopped going to my labs. Um, you have to get a negative beta once you have a chemical pregnancy to confirm that like your hormone levels have completely dropped. And I just like didn't go. I just didn't want to go back there. So I finally, um, pulled myself up and called them back. And I said, I don't think I want to do this anymore. And they said, why don't you just make an appointment just so you have it to talk to Dr. Nightheart and ask, you know, talk about next steps because it's going to be hard for you to get on, on the schedule when you're ready. So I took that advice and I'm, I'm very grateful for it now. Um, and the, what I liked about the appointment was that we talked about what we could change. So I, um, one of the issues with the chemical was my progesterone levels. They were lower than what they, they should have been. So the first question I asked was, is there anything we can do proactively to address the progesterone levels? And we ended up increasing my dosage for the progesterone and oil shots um, so that I was already setting myself up for success for um, addressing that that one fail, like one thing that was off. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition to that, we talked about adding baby aspirin to the protocol um, and transfer prep because that increases blood flow to the uterus. So I didn't do the full-on cocktail, which includes um, some other medications, but I did add the baby aspirin and the progesterone increase, and that really helped um, with the success of of the next transfer. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So how were you and hubby feeling moving into trying again for the second cycle? Um, I think I'm like thinking back, like we kind of just went through the motions. Um, the one nice thing was that we had more experience with doing the progesterone and oil shots. So we, um, 
we retraced my injection sites with a Sharpie every single night to make sure that we were always doing it in the correct place. We were really focused on doing it at the right time. Um, so I feel like we learned a little bit from the first time and we, um, but we weren't getting our hopes up. I think, like I said, we had success with all of the steps leading up to the first transfer. So we were very optimistic. Um, so we were a little bit more cautious with our emotions the second time around. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, that's great that you guys just stay focused on what needed to be done. The checklist, like you were saying earlier, just sticking to the checklist, kind of, you know, just trying to get through it the best way you can. I know exactly how difficult it can be as as, uh, as a couple to go through with that and, you know, feeling like you have to support each other and stay strong for one another, but also grieve a little bit, too, in the same instance. So, yeah, that's so difficult. Um, so... You guys had the um, the second cycle. Were you nervous going into it? How were you feeling? I was really nervous, and I was also on the roller coaster of lining thickness. So having um, going to appointments and my lining wasn't thick enough um, on several occasions was really frustrating, and I just kind of didn't expect to be a I wasn't expecting to have the transfer because my lining was just not to um, where they wanted it to be. And I just remember going into that last lining check and just assuming that I wasn't going to have the transfer. And that requires more monitoring, right? You have to go in a little bit more frequently. Yeah. So they um, lining issues and things. That's right. And mm -hmm. the way our practice works, I'm, I'm, it's probably similar um, elsewhere, but they, they have buffer weeks in your schedule to account for if um, you need some additional um, appointments for lining checks. So, mm -hmm. you know, that was great to know, but it doesn't make it any less frustrating. <laughs> oh, no, no. I see the frustrations a lot online with women who have lining issues, it is that, yeah, it is so, so frustrating when you just like right there, you know, you exactly. Just, it's just not coming. Yeah, the lining is not cooperating the way you want it to. And so how did this cycle go? Did you end up moving forward with the transfer? Did it ever thicken up for you? Yes. Yes. We were able to transfer. Um, I transferred on April 17th of 2019 and um, my son was born on January 3rd, 2020. Wow. 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 Ha. <sighs> so <laughs> you get your, your, your BFP, your numbers are great. You're doing good. And it comes time for you to graduate from your clinic. So did your clinic give you the option to stay with them a little longer? Mine did. That's why I'm asking. And I know some other people, whose clinics allow them to stay with them a little bit longer just for the comfort of getting yeah. through the eight weeks, you know what I mean, and avoiding early miscarriages and such. So ours, our graduation is actually 11 weeks gestation at my practice. Oh, wonderful. So I, I think that. they do keep, keep a little bit longer than most um, places. And um, that's actually some feedback that has been discussed in our Facebook community for for some ladies that go to other practices. So at 11 weeks, I um, moved on to my OB. I, the, the 
um, the RE group and my OB group are, are very well connected. So they, you know, they're kind of like one big happy family. And, um, they felt like confident that I would be supported. Um, you know, the OB practice offered to do ultrasounds if I wanted to see the baby because they knew I was used to, to seeing, um, you know, so many scans on a weekly basis before I came to them. Um, so that was really comforting. So 11 weeks comes. How are you guys feeling? I'm just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> like, I didn't, I honestly did not accept, truly accept the pregnancy. Mm emotionally until probably 35 weeks and even then I just could not I did not um stop holding my breath until like the c-section was over and he was in the in the world (laughs) outside of my body (laughs) wow yeah A, a lot of a lot of us go through that oh gosh just my husband had a really hard time with that trying to become attached I wasn't pregnant nowhere yeah. near as long as you got as you were but um it was really difficult for him and me I was just I was just happy to be pregnant you know what I mean I, I had a yeah a, I'm more of the optimist in our household and he's more of uh, the pessimist slash realist <laughs> and trying to always mm-hmm. be prepared for something that you can't ever be prepared for you know so um That's I, right. I, I totally understand how you would just like just let me get to 30 weeks or no actually probably just let me get to 12 weeks just let me get to uh you know just taking it week by week you know um so yeah exactly yeah yeah Yeah, there's a there's a saying in our community I'm, I'm sure you've seen it too where it's it's Pregnancy does not cure infertility. Mm-mm. I feel like you come, it comes with a whole other bag of stuff. And um, we actually, this year, um, we have a success sister group to our infertility community that we're going to focus um, on a quarterly basis our virtual meetups on conversations like that because mm-hmm. you really do need to get you really do need to get those thoughts out and and have a sounding board for them. Um, I feel like every pregnancy is different and fragile, but there's just this special bag that comes with pregnancy after mm-hmm. infertility um, that you often don't really get unless you're, you're in it. So mm-hmm. I'm very excited to be able to offer that to our members because it was something um, – that really helped me when I was, when I was successful. Yeah. I, you know, I think that, that if someone is not already seeing a therapist, I think we need therapy while we're going through all of this. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Considering it. If we move forward in 2021 to try for sibling number two, I'm definitely going to try to find a therapist um, who specializes in trauma and infertility because you just don't, you just don't know what's going to happen. And just having somebody there, a third party that understands, but also is objective to your situation to give you the tools and just help you validate what you're going through. And then getting through pregnancy. Cause like you said, it doesn't stop once you become pregnant. And you know, there are some people, some women who go through their pregnancy and they're just happy the whole time that they're just pregnant, you know, but mm-hmm. for the most part of us, we just, we have all these anxieties and just 
not necessarily waiting for something bad to go happen, but waiting for something bad to go happen to, to happen, right. you know? And, um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe, um, well, you're certainly welcome to join us online if you want to talk with other women going through it. We also have a, um, carved out a section of meetups for starting over after success to talk about these exact feelings around, you know, wanting to give a sibling and Mm -hmm. how do you manage that and, and caring for the child that you wanted so badly. And now you have to like shift your attention to preparing Mm -hmm. for this, their sibling. So, um, you know, we're, we're trying to address all kind of phases and emotions that, that we are all going through. And then tell us again for everyone listening what the name of that group is on Facebook that we can search. Sure. So our our main group and what we founded in um, 2019 is called Fearless Femmes Facing Fertility. And our sister group is Fearless Mamas and Mamas-to-be. Wonderful. And then where can we find you on Instagram? Sandra Wyckoff, my first and last name. Okay, spell your last name for us. <laughs> W-Y-C-K-O-F-F. And it's Sandra with an O. So it's S-O-N-D-R-A, W-Y-C-K-O-F-F. And you guys know that I always have t- the links to things that we talked about during the episode in the show details. So whatever platform that you are using, you can go into the show de- details, tap on that, and it will have a description of the episode as well as uh, clickable or tappable links for you to connect with Sandra, for you to connect with me and for you to connect um, with her specifically because she is today's guest. And so that you guys can tap and go and uh, join the group, buy the book or just connect with uh, Sandra and on, you know, just get um, and slide in her DMs. If you got any questions <laughs> about rad yeah, fertility. Specifically. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you, Sandra, for, for having, for coming on the show and for giving us some of your time to tell us about your journey to momhood and just offering your wisdom and your insight. You've made some really great points today. And if there's anything else that you'd like to tell our listener friends, you can do so at this time. Yes, I would love to share um, if you're not into, you know, the online support. Uh, I do have a journal planner guidebook called Girlfriend's Guide to Infertility. So in it includes some starter questions for your doctor's appointments, journal prompts, positive affirmations, and um, a calendar planner for you to keep track of all of your cycles, your medication, um, journaling, things that really helped me get through infertility um, in the beginning stages. And I, I'd love to offer that as an option to everyone who might not be online, but it's a way, I, I call it your companion, to get you through um, your experience. So that is also available on Amazon.com, and you can access the link to that in my Instagram profile. Yes, and you guys know I will have it in the show details for Instagram profile so that you can tap and go 
and I have a physical copy of the book. It's super cute, and I love the beginning of the book, giving you all the acronyms, some helpful questions about medications, about insurance, about what to ask at your first consultation. There's some affirmations in there, too, as well, and then she gives space throughout the rest of the book for you to fill out the planner according to your protocol, and so that's really helpful and useful, and I really love the size of the book because I have large print, whether it's cursive or me printing my handwriting, and so the size of the book is perfect it's not super super small and you're trying to cram all this information in and you can't even freaking read it after you're done writing it right thank you for appreciating <laughs> yes, that because that was my thought it. as well <laughs> oh my gosh I love the size of it I really do I have large handwriting and so it is perfect for someone like me or for someone like you friend so thank you again Sandra girl for coming on the pod you guys join the facebook group if you want a more intimate setting outside of instagram and uh you know everything's virtual right now so we can't meet up we can't do meet and greet so take advantage of all that's out there for you and to you and we'll speak again on the next episode peace and blessings if you enjoyed today's episode friend take a screenshot and let me know on instagram and tag infertility and me podcast you can also reach me at infertility and me podcast.com with your questions comments and feedback